Welcome, welcome, friends, to another episode of the Stride Forward Show. This week, I'm really excited to be bringing on a friend of mine, Pia, who is an award-winning creative director and founder of The Collective Studio, which focuses on blending creativity and coaching to realize an all-new future for yourself. Pia helps her clients establish a vision that you truly see for your future and unlocking a lifestyle that you truly love to live. Pia helps those that feel stuck and allows you to establish a vision that you see for yourself moving forward. She connects you with your feelings, your creative side, and allows for true transformation within yourself. In our conversation, we go through Pia's story, how she ended up launching the collective studio, and the type of outcomes one can achieve when they start designing life first instead of business first. Pia brings a very soulful energy to all of her conversations, which is a real pleasure to listen to and speak with her. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Pia, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm so glad we're getting able to connect finally. Um, before we get too far deep into like what you do and how you help people, um, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself in your own words and, and what you do. Hey, Thomas, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This is exciting. Um, I've heard some of your episodes and they're rocking, so it's an honor to be here. Uh, my name is Pia. Um, I'm actually from New York City and Montreal, and I live in Copenhagen, which confuses most people because they think I am um, just studied abroad. <laughs> But yeah, I'm here. I've been here for This Is Home. I am a certified coach and award-winning creative director and also founder of Collective Studio, which really brings together, it's a coaching and creativity studio. So that's the, that's the quick version of what I'm doing. Yeah, the studio is like such an awesome thing because it's so driven by like impacting people's lives, like front and center, which I love, which is something that all coaches like obviously strive to do. But for you, it's like, this is the selling point. We're going to take where you're stuck and we're going to flip it on its head and like gain so much clarity through that. So can you talk a little bit more about kind of the process you go through with your clients? Like where are most of them feeling stuck? Why do they like enlist your services? And then kind of like, what's the path that you're taking them through? Sure. Well, what's interesting for me is that, um, you know, I use the word creator because not everyone identifies themselves as a creative um, though I believe all human beings are natural born creators and creatives. Um, so a creator is really someone who has an independent spirit who's looking really to make shape and, and build and design their own days. And I think as a creator, you, <laughs> there, you have a lot of tabs open and a lot of things are going on and usually you're quite busy. And sometimes like all of us, you kind of get... Mm, you get into a certain routine and I think we don't create the space to dream or to rest or to imagine like to check in like our is our ladder up against the right wall are we really doing the thing that brings us the most fulfillment is this it are we still living out an old version of ourselves and just kind of on autopilot or autoplay because it's gotten comfortable um or are we ready really to shift into something else? And most of the time, that's kind of what's happening. There's a need, there's a yearning, there's a feeling of stuckness, of uh, like being unmotivated. Um, sometimes it could be fatigue. Lots of different signals that you're, usually it's your body actually cueing you into, 
okay, let me take a step back and really just, you know, zoom out and look at why are we doing what we're doing and what's the most sort of expansive version of this life we want to live. And that will keep changing, you know, because we're growing an expansive being. So, but it's, it's usually at critical junctures, you know, key points. So when you're at a growth point, right, you're being, you're being called to, to grow, to expand. And you're like, okay, partnership is usually needed at that point. I've had a coach, love, love my party, my coaches and a therapist. And, you know, we grow through partnership. We grow through mirrors and people who can see us and see things we can't see. And it's um, a fascinating process that I love to witness my client's transformation and to be a part of facilitating that and holding space for, the, for that. There's nothing more rewarding. So that's usually when people come to me, if that answers your question. Um, it's usually in that feeling of, what? Is this it? No. What? And, and kind of just losing sight of what it could be. And I just don't think we create the space for that often. And so that's also a part of like the program is just to create the space to reconnect to who you are, what really matters to you, what you value most, and imagine what that future looks like for yourself. And then ask what is the biggest aligned step you can take every day in that direction. Yeah, for me, there's like two sides to that as well. There's like the personal side, and then there's also a career side. And they, you can be totally fulfilled in one and not the other, or maybe both lack, or maybe, you know, you can align both. Like for me, so much of my self-discovery came from a misalignment with what I wanted in my personal life. I've always been good at finding and following my interests like in my career space, but personally, it was not the same. So like when I was young, like I got married really young it was not the right person. And so we ended up splitting and that was a part of it, but that's ultimately what led to like this huge, like self discovery journey that I went to. And that's what I love about your, your content too, that you put out on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram is there's so much of like, it, it kind of just starts with that self discovery, you know, like it starts with understanding yourself at such a deep level. And there's lots of different ways to do that too. It can start with books. It can start with podcasts. There's also tools like human design or spiritually or whatever. So do you have any like favorite tools that you like to start with when someone needs that kind of push into self-discovery? Do you have any like favorite go-to methods or practices that you like to, to recommend? I'm a big uh, visualization. It's a really beautiful tool and it's, you know, scientifically backed. There's a lot of athletes that use visualization and the same parts of your brain if, that, you know, you imagine building a muscle actually fires that same part of your brain that works your muscle. Of course, you have to complement that by actually doing the work. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like being able to feel it, smell it, sense it, see it, feel the future right now is such a powerful tool. So I use visualizations when we're kind of in that reimagining phase of, you know, what could it be? Um, so that's a big, that's a big one for me. And then Wheel of Life, as you mentioned, that's another classic. That's a classic. It's because when we think about juicy, fulfilling life, sometimes our mind goes right to work. And yes, of course, work is an important part of our lives, but it's not it. You know, we have many different slices in the pie of our life. So whether it's, you know, what lights you up, your friends, your family, fun, your partner, your career, spirituality, looking at all the slices and scoring them. Like on the wheel, where are you right now in each slice? So, for example, with friends, are you from a scale of one to ten? You might say, okay, well, right now, current satisfaction level, four. And then I'll say, okay, Thomas, 
what would make that a 10? Like, what's friendship at a 10? What are you doing? What does it look like? And it's such a great exercise because we don't always think about these things. Um, when it comes up, I use it, and it, it, it's, it's a really good reflective tool. So those are two kind of classics. But in the work that I do, we usually have sort of a reimagining, like a process, right? You're reimagining phase and then reconnecting to what your values, what really matters, your purpose, your big why, and yourself, and your limiting beliefs and what blocks you, and then moving into realizing. So taking all that you know, the insights that you've gathered, the dreams that you have, and so how do you then actually realize that and put it into practice? So that's sort of the three-step process I have, um, and some of the tools that I just shared more sort of in the one and two zone. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And so one of the ways that I first kind of ventured into the the wheel method was just like looking at my calendar right i was like okay let me look at every task that fall there do i want to skip this or do i actually like this and want to experience it mm. and if you find that your calendar is full of stuff like man if i could skip that i would then it's time to reevaluate like right now because if you you're wanting to fast forward any bits of your life like life is too precious to want to fast forward it and you can chase and get this whole new lifestyle that is in perfect alignment. I love that. You're like, how do we get this to a 10? That's the next step. And that's pretty hard to define, to be honest, in some ways, like I bet you ask people what makes it a 10 and they go, you know what? I really don't know. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. Well, sometimes at first people might go, Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, where do, where, where do I ask questions? So like, friends so are you seeing them three times a week are you going out to dinners is it concerts so it's like you you start to play around and get creative with the process so you can hopefully inspire people and they think oh no I wouldn't want to see my friends three times a week so it just starts the conversation and then it starts to unfold for what you really want no no only on Monday so actually people get really clear on what, on what they don't want and that can lead you to what you do want um and it's nice to like always remind yourself and the people I work with, we're fluid changing, if we're lucky, right, beings. So it doesn't mean that your 10 today is going to look like your 10 tomorrow. And that's all right, you know, and that allows a sense of play. It's like not getting fixed. Um, and that helps because it's like, no, it's just today. Maybe tomorrow your 10 looks different. But today it looks like you see your friends three times a week or whatever. So that helps. And in terms of, yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, I love that. Like, you're like, sometimes we figure out what you don't want first and then just reverse engineer it. Like that works for like almost everything. I feel like it's true. It's true. And that also speaks to the schedule. Like one thing that I think is so important is I think that we um, defer happiness often. Like we say, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing all these things. And then when I get that next client or when I hit that figure or when I do, then I'll allow myself to rest in it. Then I'll allow myself to like go out or do the things. And the truth is that never happens. If you don't create it for yourself now, it's not going to mysteriously appear in the future because it's a practice of designing how you want your days to flow and how you want to feel in them. So you have to practice it. It doesn't just descend on you when the paycheck comes or the whatever, whatever falls into your lap. And I think that's a really interesting thing to be aware of. Also for myself, you know, because especially as a solopreneur, there are a lot of things you're passionate about. But if your days are getting like really busy and you've lost sight of some of the joy, which it's, you know, how do you sort of reconnect to like, hey, no, if I don't design this in a spacious way now, it ain't going to come later. 
And that's something I, I practice. I'm not there. <laughs> I, work, I work on it. And I think it's something, you know, it's just an important reminder to uh, start living it now. Yeah, I, there's two like major things I like to highlight there. And so more specific on Instagram, like I lean more into like self-discovery content than I do anywhere else um, because I just, I love it. I love that like whole little niche. Um, but for me, like that, that's the whole thing. Like I've written so many times, like happiness is falling in love with the journey. Happiness is not the end result because if you, if you're hoping to get to the finish line, and thinking that brings you happiness, what's going to happen is the finish line is just going to extend further and further and further. And so, but that does bring you back to, okay, well, how do I make happiness today? How do I love my journey? And everyone, no matter how successful you may seem on the outside or whatever, everyone hits roadblocks like that. And so that's why I recommend a coaching or partner in some capacity to everyone. And it doesn't matter like how um, successful you seem or where you are in that journey. It doesn't matter if you're running this $10 million company and everyone's looking at you like you're the best thing in the world or you're just starting out. Like I've even had that kind of, you know, like, is this where my energy is really taking me even just recently? Like on, especially with all the creator work I do, um, running my own side hustles and all this different, it, it just like your energy gets pulled in so many directions. And so having an external point of view that like as an expert and helping you do that, it doesn't matter where you are. Like it's so useful. <laughs> um, so I wanna get into a little bit more too of like the difference between creator and creative, because obviously you're like a content creator, but you're also an award-winning creative. So can you like detail what that means? Like award-winning creative, like talk to me a little bit about um, your work as a creative. Sure, I spent um, most of my career in agencies. So I worked as a copywriter, I worked as a creative director, I worked as a creative strategist, kind of rolled into one in the last few years. And uh, I worked for basically concepting, bringing those concepts to life, and the most important part, which is sort of strategy, like helping. It's kind of in a way that third party view, when you're in a company and you're a brand, you know, the brand really matters to you. You know, you're, you're really, you're looking at your company and your brand from the inside out. And oftentimes you hire an agency for a fresh perspective to look from the outside in. So, so sometimes a client might come with a similar brief, like, how do we raise awareness? How do we increase sales? Whatever it might be. And then your job is also to challenge. I mean, for me, that's also a great creative director. It's like to say, is that really, is that, is that really the problem? <laughs> like, like what's, what's really going on? And then, of course, in a spirit of collaboration and partnership, but it's like, is that the real, like, what's the real issue here? What's the real challenge that you're facing? And I find that's like some of the, that's the most important part of the process, because if you're shooting at the wrong, you know, bullseye, if you're shooting at the wrong thing, then it doesn't matter how great your idea is, it's going to miss. So you really just got to get really clear on what is it you're trying to do. And then it's good to have a partner who is a reminder that not everyone cares as much that much as about your brand as you do. So we have to think of <laughs> we have to think of other ways to engage, to excite, to um, convert, to you know all of all of the good advertising words. Um, we have to do that. So for me, what really got me excited was the marriage of logic and magic. I love that. So it's like thinking very strategically and then, okay, conceptually, creatively, how do we help achieve that in a really sort of a 
very different way, in a breakthrough way, in a way that no one else really thought about, because that's what it t takes to get attention. Um, it's 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 a big old polluted world out there, you know. There's many things vying for your attention, so you really got to think in different ways. Um, and that was just, yeah, it was super rewarding. Also, agency life, working with a lot of different, like I'm a multi-passionate. So it was just like I found home for me because you work with so many different clients. You have so many different briefs. So I worked for Volvo. I worked for Ikea. I worked for Carlsberg. Um, we sold the first Volvo XC90 online ever for Volvo. Um, that was one of the big award-winning campaigns that I did back in the day. And, you know, for a time, it was it was just fantastic. And then so that was the creative side. And then in my last, the last agency I was at was more of a creative consultancy. So we worked with purpose-driven brands who were looking to really have a triple P impact, planet, people, and profit. So that work was more how do we change behavior to create a positive impact in the world for good. And that was more, more aligned with what was really resonating or one reason I got into the business in the first place was not to sell more toilet paper, but hopefully to try to change behavior to have a positive impact on the world. Not, I mean, it's hard to sell toilet paper. Everyone needs it. So they only, it's a, it's a, it's a cost discussion. Anywho. So, um, <laughs> so the, the point is just to say, and then, so that work at the end was super rewarding and it was more consultancy. So that was, it was a different level. It was less in the production. And it was much more in sort of the strategic and creative on a higher level. Um, and that led me into coaching because working with a lot of leaders who were looking to make big internal shifts in their organization, either culturally or um, even to in inspire and encourage their audiences to change their behavior um, to create a positive impact. That takes a lot more than just ideas. Ideas are great, don't get me wrong. But um, it requires some some inner 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 changes need to start to happen in how you you run a company, how you talk to your people. You have to be in integrity, you know. So how are you living what you are inviting people into? So you don't only tell the story; you have to live the story. And if there's a disconnect between those two things, you're creating cognitive dissonance, and you, you're going to start to lose people on a variety of different levels because you're not in yeah. integrity. So that was really. Wow, it was rewarding, but it was tough because it's not just creativity. It's not just magic or logic that solved that. There is a coaching element and facilitation was key. And that introduced me into the world of, of coaching and then a whole new world opened up to me. Yeah, it's it's like so important to just like really just like take your experiences and what you love about it and make it your own thing. And so I would love to talk more about like how your energy aligned to then branch out on your own and leave like agency world and start your own studio because I mean what I tell people is like start you know start now and just building your brand and like exploring ideas and your curiosities because even if you love your nine to five like that's okay um, there's nothing wrong with that but that doesn't mean you can't have something in place in case things go wrong True. <laughs> um, and so I would love to hear kind of like how your energy took you from that creative agency world to wanting to start your own studio and then what that transition looked like for you so I started coaching certification while I was still working. Um, and that just kind of opened up a new world. And I think it also shifted my perspective on what I could do. Also, I've been kind of feeling like I've hit a ceiling in agencies where I've, there's only so many other places to go, 
right? Yeah, you've done the thing. You, yeah. You, and the way I see it is like you kind of like accomplished probably the goals you set out to do. Yeah. And then so you're like, well, I fit that, but I want like a new challenge. I want to see what else I can accomplish. Does it that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of felt like I think I I was I had a yearning to to see what I could do on my own for a long time, but straight up because of visa issues, <laughs> I'm a citizen now, but it was like a longer journey, not to make excuses. And then I was afraid. I was like, shit, what is that going to look like when I jump ship? You know, I mean, there was a lot of trepidation and like, and at one point I didn't work a full week. I worked like four days a week and then I even went down to three. It's hard. Some people can build their side hustle just on set five days a week for me. I just had longer weekends. <laughs> that's that's how I that's how I do it. I mean, I, we're talking on a Saturday right now. Like a lot, some people don't even realize. Like I still work on nine to five because I enjoy it. Like if I didn't enjoy it, I would jump ship like today. Yeah, but I love it. Like I work for a great marketing agency with awesome clients. I guess to do. I basically, I mean, I lead the finance team, so all the strategical finance side of what is like a huge marketing agency. So I get like all of the strategic the all of these strategical insights from that. So like we do like multi-location work, programmatic trading, like all kind of stuff. And so it's just really cool to, to be there. But if it wasn't, I would leave tomorrow, you know? <laughs> but that, but that was the problem because there was nothing wrong with where I was. And that could be super challenging because it was good. Like on paper, everything was great. I was doing work that I felt mattered. I was, you know, um, unleashing my own creativity. I was working strategically. I started to do coaching, which was interesting. And that was, that's what made it hard to leave. There's nothing wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? If it would have been easier if I was miserable, then I would have gotten a real kick in the ass, like, okay, now it's time to go. But it was just like, no, this is, this is okay. Um, and I realized I really needed to change something up. And the big call for me was my mom died. My mom died two years ago. Um, not to get into that, but that just uh, shook me on so many levels. And, uh, but she did give me parting gifts. And one of her parting gifts was courage because I've never been that close to death before and also losing someone so close to me that it was quite sudden, it was unexpected. And it was just like, oh my God, this death thing isn't a concept, it's true. <laughs> it's real, this is gonna happen, you know? And I know that sounds crazy, but in my head, you know, you just don't think about it. You don't think that this time is finite. And I've been wanting to start my own thing and do my own thing and see what happened if I just like broke out of the box and unleashed my own creativity to build my own thing. And what would happen if I didn't know if the doors were all open and I just tried and let's see like what, what might happen from that place. And that just gave me the, the fire to, to do it. Like, all right, it's now. It's not now, when is it gonna be? So it has to happen now gonna happen and so shortly after my mom passed I just put in my notice I was like I'm doing it we're doing it we're doing it we're doing it yeah sometimes you gotta have the big life event and and again I'm right there with you like not to make this whole episode go in like a depressing direction but like the big thing for me like after my dad died was like it the big thing that really sucks is like you, you kind of always do want to make your parents proud and then for them not to see like how successfully you've gone like after that fact like everything you've done since then like all the stuff i've done since then like my dad just never gets to see that and like that kind of sucks but you have a unique challenge in that like you you were born in america and then now you live in denmark um and so 
I thought it was the other way around. Like, that's what you mentioned earlier. I thought you just, like, studied abroad, but it turns out it was the total opposite. You were from America and then moved over there. And so, like, that's a whole unique challenge that most people don't ever do, but maybe they want to, even if it's just, like, the nomadic lifestyle. So what was it like going from America to Europe? What, did your work take you there? Like, did you just go work for another creative agency? Like, what was the decision there? I am... Um... I was raised with a wonderful, wild, rebellious former hippie mom who loved travel and changing shit up every now and again. She'd be like, all right, this is getting a bit old. Let's go someplace else. <laughs> ever, since, ever since I was a kid, she left her small town uh, that's not like in Quebec, in the, the countryside at 19 on the back of her boyfriend's motorcycle, and they headed to New York City. Um, and so she's just always been moving around. And and uh, that, so the travel bug was it. Uh, nomadic lifestyle was the lifestyle I was kind of born, born into. I lived in Spain. I, lived, I grew up in Brooklyn, Lower East Side, Manhattan. Uh, then later on, we moved to Montreal. I lived in Puerto Rico. I lived in Ottawa. I, I, back to Montreal, back to New York City. Um, and then, so I think it was just kind of in me. So I finished, I went to Hunter College and I, and I finished it, my BA in English Language Arts. Uh, and then I thought, oh, what could, what could I do for what direction can I go into travel? And I was thinking like cultural anthropology or international relations or something. Um, and I ended up having a chance to work as a journalist for a Sunday, weekly Sunday English publication in Sri Lanka. So I was in my twenties and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go see what, what's going on in Colombo. And my friends in New York were like, you're going where to do what? <laughs> and I'm like, just get tried out. Um, what ended up being like a three, supposed to be three months ended up being almost a year and a half if not longer and I worked for the UNDP and the Canadian International Development Agency writing and producing material films and doing basically marketing communication on all the projects in the country also an NGO called Plan International so as well as working for this publication so that kind of just kick-started my traveling as an adult after I did that and I just kept going so I'm not, I could keep this story very long because I've been to many places, but I'll try to keep it short. So that was sort of the beginning. And then I just kept moving um, because I was curious about what life is like in other places. And I think the best thing about moving is you get to rediscover yourself again and again, because you are in new situations. So you have to observe how you re react and respond in new situations. So you get to know yourself better. You know, if you if you're always in the same situations or circumstances, you you can anticipate how you're going to respond and what you're going to be like. But when you change that, it's like there's a new level of discovery. And I just loved all of that discovery myself, other people, other cultures, other ways of being, other ways of living. I'm always curious about how do other people do this thing called life? Like, how do you do it? <laughs> what are you What's doing? What's your method? Like, we're all figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you had the courage to just like jump out at such a young age is also just amazing to me because not everyone has that and i speak that for, for myself like when i was in college my biggest regret looking back is like i didn't take advantage of all the study abroad opportunities and so i even chose a college that was local to where i was because i didn't have like the self-confidence way back then to go somewhere else and be fully on my own and like take care of myself. Not that I wasn't taking care of myself, but like, you know, like having a parent close by is always like, you know, it's like a backup plan, you know, when you're 19 years old. <laughs> and so, but what I learned is like, 
again when i went through like my huge like self-discovery phase the biggest phase um like one of the things i embraced was like solo traveling because i've always loved to travel but it was like getting on a plane by myself like that's a whole different thing and i just can't recommend it enough because when you go somewhere new on your own that will unlock confidence that will unlock so much inner change in yourself in terms of just like what you know about yourself because you're gonna get there and you might run into people you otherwise wouldn't talk to because you're forced to or whatever but the fact that you get out there you see whole new cultures whole new things and then you're also solely reliant on yourself like there's no better path of growth i feel like 100 percent. and what you're touching on speaks to you really build trust in yourself because you can trust that you can handle whatever comes your way and you get a chance to practice that and see it in action because a lot of different things come your way when you're traveling alone. So like you build trust in yourself, like I got this. And I think for me, that's freedom. It's not, it's not that things are not gonna happen. Shit will happen, it's life. Lots of stuff is gonna get thrown at you mm. that we can't control, but you can trust that you can catch it or that you'll be okay in it. And I think for me, that's like the biggest freedom you can give yourself is that knowing that I got this, I'm okay. Shit might, things might go to shit, but I'll be all right. I might be in some really weird situation, but I'll make it through. And I think that gives a sense of calm and like, and courage to continue to discover new things. My best, my favorite solo trip was the Trans-Siberian Express before this Russian palava. But anyway, that was, um, it was, it was uh, six weeks alone through China, Mongolia, and Russia. Wow, that's incredible. Like, if I, I want to do a solo trip again, but now I also just, like, I'm very fortunate to, like, have found someone that I connect with so well. So my fiance, I'm getting married at the end of April. So now it's like... Oh, congratulations. That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, <laughs> so it's just, like, I still see the value of traveling solo, but also, like, I always want to go everywhere with her, too. So it's like, eh, how do I, like, balance <laughs> that and make that decision, you know? Um, but I think I would love to do like a European, like river cruise style solo trip one day. Um, and so maybe do it twice, maybe do it once by myself and once with her. Um, but yeah, there's, there's nothing better than those like long excursions that just take you to these random places and you end up in random restaurants, cafes with random people. And it's just kind of cool. So I do want to flip the script back. Yeah. I'm just going to mention just really before you flip it. That is a piece of it. Well, for me, what works for me is my husband and I, and I love traveling with him too. He's, he's my ride or die, you know, but we both also like having some independent, having some space to reconnect to ourselves. So we take weekends alone sometimes. We also do like longer trips together, but it's, I highly recommend it, I think. And then you have so much to talk about when the person comes back and you have a chance to miss them and the person. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it, it also has its merits. Yeah. I think, I mean, my recommendation for any of that is just, like, be really communicative about, like, what your needs are and why you want to travel so low so no one's feelings get hurt, basically. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the big thing. It's just, like, communicate open and honestly and, like, what the point is and, and make sure they know that, like, it's it's nothing to do with them. It's just, like, that's just part of your journey as an individual, you know, because we're all living our own journeys. So, but yeah, I would like to get back onto the topic of your business and more so, like, um like inbound leads versus outreach for your studio. Obviously you're creating content. So can you talk a little bit about what the platforms are active on and kind of how you're generating most of your leads for your business? Sure. 
So I did, um, and this is where I met Slatko, who's an awesome human being doing amazing, building amazing tools and make that make creators and, and agency startup lives easier. So just a shout out to Z. We met, um, he did ship 30 for 30 and we weren't in the same cohort, but that kind of just was a reintroduction to, um, to Twitter completely and like digital writing again it was it was actually really cool to do that and put my like ego aside for a minute and just jump in and like keep it beginner's mindset and like yeah let's try this and that turned me on to twitter i was on twitter in 2007 believe it or not like an early adopter in agency world just sending memes and stupid stuff to people at work and not using it strategically at all and then i played around it for a few years and then I just jumped off. So I still had my account, but I didn't do anything with it. So that kind of opened me up to Twitter and I've fallen in love. It's a bit dangerous. It's a bit of a dangerous love affair because it, it can really pull you in and it can be very needy attention wise. Um, but uh, once you set some nice boundaries, no, it's a good, it's the community and the creator community and Twitter, like my heart beats so much faster for these people that I feel connected with that I've never met <laughs> really maybe like video calls and stuff, but, um, and it's just, I love the support. I love building in public and growing together and sharing stories and tools and insights and experiences. So that's kind of my main squeeze at the moment. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I was primarily on LinkedIn, but I have to say, did you post something about crickets the other day? Yes, you did. You posted a, yeah, you posted something with like your first, uh, I don't know, it was a visual, it was an image on LinkedIn and you were like, you got to just keep on trucking. It comes something along those lines, right? Oh yeah. I made a post. I was like, look, when you start your creator journey, like no one's going to see it basically is the deal. So you just have to like continue being engaged, continue focused on building your community and eventually things will like start to compound and you'll connect with the right people. Yeah, it was that basically. True. But I think, I think that's very, I, I don't know, on LinkedIn, I think there's a lot of fear on LinkedIn. That's just my, my feeling about it because everyone's boss is on there. Everyone is like, they're just watching or you're like, and I get it. Cause I felt it too. Like sharing some of the stuff about, you know, coaching and the things so that my own vulnerable experiences in service of like that, like those were shaky moments, but if it was in service of, then it's fine, you know, cause it's not about me really. It's about trying to share and give something that can positively impact. Maybe, hopefully, maybe not, but it, that's the, that's the intention, right? Someone else. So then it's okay. But uh, I feel there's not as much interaction. I guess I just got, so, um, I don't want to, maybe the word addicted is right or wrong. I don't know. But I got so enthralled with the way, you know, people are just really active on Twitter and giving and sharing and changing, like, and, you know, taking a stand for things and giving their opinions and supporting. And LinkedIn just feels a little bit um, quiet, quiet. Could just be my audience as well. You know, it could just be it, 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 in the sense, or it could be what I'm writing, not even my audience. It could, who knows what it is. I just feel the energy is different. So whatever the factors are. So I'm less, I'm not as active, but that's how it is. So my main squeeze is Twitter. I put out, a, I have a newsletter, put out a lot of um, that I started in January that I'm chuffed about, I'm happy about. It's really, uh, it's really nice to be able to share um, and go a bit deeper. It's also nice to make things accessible in the sense that I love when people just give and share what they have 
to offer what they think and it's just accessible. It's like, this is a way that you can interact with someone um, and get knowledge without necessarily having a big pr price point if that's not accessible to you as a person. So I think it's really important to have multiple ways in, multiple ways into different people, um, or at least that's an important value for me. So newsletter, Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm doing stuff, Instagram doing a little stuff. It's, it's, but it's more also just, as you said before, managing your time. All right. With someone building and growing, it's like, you know, it's a lot. Yeah, managing the time between like work and building your own business and then also like being a creator and connecting with that audience and getting leads from that or whatever the case may be. Like, I think having the right systems in place to kind of balance both uh, is really, really important. As you mentioned, like it's so easy to fall in love with one particular platform and just get like addicted to it <laughs> um and so like being able to balance that so how are you currently balancing that like i know you said like you got a little addicted but so like how are you kind of balancing the act of creating and being involved in that community and growing your community along with like your your clients and your your work at your studio learning by doing is the simple answer um sometimes i think this the hub and spoke model which is justin Welsh has been super helpful um, in the sense of, you know, you write your long form piece and then you, you break it down and break it up across to work across multiple platforms. And that's been a really a, sort of a, a seamless and elegant process to, to go through for the most part. It's just that with platforms, it still requires some tweaking. There's some tools out there from like thread to carousels and things that you can use to optimize and make things run smoother. And there's chat GPT, which also you could use, not necessarily to create new content, but to format your own existing content. I think it's really, really helpful. Um, so virtual assistants like that and models that have been shared like that are really helpful. And then it starts to, then there's a flow that starts to happen and then time boxing my interaction in different places so I don't get over, I don't dive in too deep. You don't just yeah. boot up the app every yeah, chance you see it, it on it, your phone kind of thing. Exactly yeah, that's like, what I do. I'm like, time block, time block. I'll exactly. engage for this time, Exactly. I'll log off afterward. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those are some things, but there's a, this is something that I've noticed looking back, like if you're a creator listening to this, wherever you are in your journey, it's going to look different. And sometimes things just take time. Like it takes time to figure out what your system is, or it takes time to test different things, or maybe it just takes time to get your newsletter off the ground. So other things fall. And I think it's just going back to what you said, kind of falling in love with your process and trusting it. So knowing that it's going to come, like things start to click into place, the more that you practice and the more that you do them. Um, and at least for me, every once in a while, I feel like, oh, could I just not be there already where I have figured it all out? And that's where frustration comes in. But then just showing up consistently and doing it, doing the work, writing, interacting, building clients, just, you know, things start to fall into place. And then you have to just check in to see when are you out of alignment? When, when are you not enjoying it? When is your calendar filled with things that you would rather not be doing? Um, so just, just to do some, some weekly check-ins. One thing that's helped me is, one, what's the single most important thing I can do today? That's the first thing I ask myself every day. What's the single most needle driving, you know, action that I can take for my business today? And even just the thought process before I begin my day, oh, it's that one thing. Okay, well, as long as you do that one thing, you're ace. Great. And then I always have, because I'm 
I'm over, um, I over, overestimate how long, underestimate how long things, no, I'm, here we go. I'm over optimistic about my time. <laughs> I don't know why. I always feel like I could do 20 things in a day and it's like, no, honey, you cannot. No, no. And then I end up being disappointed that I didn't get a chance to, oh, but I didn't. And I forget to be, to celebrate the fact that I did like 10 or five or two important things. So the process of just going back and keeping it simple, what's the one most important thing strategically and most aligned that you can do today? And then having two or three runners up and then also celebrating myself at the end of the day rather than getting busy thinking about what else needs to happen tomorrow. Just to go, cheers, girl. That's nice. Nicely done. Sit down. Have a moment. Take a break. Because we're so quick to move on to the next thing without taking a moment just to honor the thing we just did. It's so easy to lose sight of it. Even the celebrations, like sometimes with my clients, like, whoa, you just did that. You just yeah. did that. Let's take let's like, like, yeah, take like, a awesome. yeah. take a moment to just honor that, right? Before we jump into the next thing. So it's something I practice myself and tell other people. So I don't know if that answers any of your questions. I think it's learn, show up every day, and you know, trust that you're it's it's coming, it's here. Sometimes you can't see that that the pieces in the puzzle when they're not as connected, but you're they're moving closer together, and you just keep showing up. And that trust in finding your own way to like take learn from others but make it your own design your own because you'll have your own way yeah like celebrating the wins is so so huge and so before i did um venture into like more financial analytics work i was in financial sales and that was like the biggest misalignment for me was it doesn't matter that i led the company in sales three straight years none of that matters because in the sales world, it's always, what have you done for me lately? Or what are you about to do? Like a new quote is always going to get thrown at you. Um, your most recent month, your most recent quarter, like that's all that ever matters. It doesn't matter what you always did, but that's like so detrimental to your own mental health. If you're also doing that to yourself, if other employers or whatever are going to do that to you, okay, whatever, but stop, pause, celebrate what you've accomplished. Like look back at what you've done in the last three months or a year. And so it's probably way more than you thought it was. Like I can even look back in the last like seven, eight months. Like I went from like doing everything locally and then all of a sudden starting my brand building. And now look at all the people I've connected with. I've connected with people from like 20 something countries. I've, I've conversations with people from all over the place. Like I get to do this podcast and invite awesome people like you on. And so when you look back like seven months ago, like that's like, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility for me. But now, like, look where I am and look where I'm going. Like, that's just really exciting. So taking the time to pause wherever you are and be like, man, I did the thing. And I would say the biggest, like, detractor from that, too, for a lot of people is they start comparing themselves to others. And so you can't compare yourself to others because everyone's at a different step. Like, you have to take the first step and then the second step and then the third step. Like, if you're comparing your second step to someone else's 10 steps, you're always going to feel bad about yourself, you know? So, like... You have to like just pause and reflect and realize like this is the step I'm on and I did an awesome fucking job getting here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about other people's steps is you don't know what steps people took because often on social media we don't see that. We see the shiny bright 
win the gold medal, the end goal. We don't see the grueling practice it took to get there. So it's easier to compare when we don't see how many steps were involved. That's one thing. The other thing is, this might sound obvious, but someone else's journey is not your journey. And I think where you feel most reward, when it, where it feels most rewarding or fulfilling is when you figure out what's, what your lane is authentically and what that feels like to you, what it looks like to you, when you design what that is based on you, not on other people's journeys. And then you actually live that. Um, and I think that's really powerful because we can get lost in the comparison sauce and that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, and, and just sharing your own journey through your content as well mm -hmm. is what I find to be the biggest difference maker, difference maker. Like try to tell the story that only you can tell 100%. and and that again it all comes back to that self-discovery which we started the whole conversation with you know like that's i like how we've come full circle on just how important that is um and so when someone's creating content and they find that they might be comparing themselves to others like do you find that that happens with your clients a lot too not really not that okay. i can uh I think they're like, is that part of what gets them stuck basically? I like think, they end up thinking they're behind. I think for me, there's just a disconnect in terms of what you really want as a person and what you really need and what, what that looks like for you. So it's more of like a, a, like a disconnect. It's more about reconnecting to what's already there. It's not something outside of you. It's already available to you. And comparison may be a byproduct of that, but it's, it's, and I'm sure it's sometimes there's more trepidation around sharing, right? Sharing your story, owning your story, designing your own days and not listening to your own wise voice, you know, rediscovering that, charting your own path. And sometimes I feel that there's, tr there's, there's a wobble in that and comparison might be a part of it, but I feel like there's more of a wobble of like, what's mine? Is that mine? No, what's, what feels like mine? What feels good to me? What feels fulfilling to me? You know, um, and that might, comparison might be baked into that because we're, we, you know, we inherit a lot of beliefs. We're belief inheritors, you know, the culture you're raised in, the home you're raised in, your parents, a lot of different voices, society. Um, striving, for example, as you said, like sales, you know, you're always looking for like, what's the next thing? Well, that's also a part of our collective story, right? You're only as good as the next thing. And so it's also, you have to rewire some of that, repattern it, write your own fucking story. You know, like what, what do you want it to be and how do you distinguish between what's yours and what's not yours? So I think comparison is baked into it, but it feels like it's a bigger territory than just comparison. Yeah, for sure. I just like, I just know that was like a thing for me, like way back when social media was really first taken off. Like I would just like be really insecure about what I would share because I always felt I like I fell into that hardcore social media trap that so many people do. That's like, man, everyone's sharing their highlights. Everyone's life is awesome. And mine feels like crap. <laughs> and so, yeah, like that was a big thing for me back in the day. But I think that the, I think a really good question to ask yourself is what content do you gravitate towards? What content really moves you? What, what, what threads do you end up reading the whole, the whole piece or you don't just go down to the TLDR or, you know, what's, what, what resonates with you? And for me, it's vulnerability. When I feel someone in a story, 
when I feel someone. Of course, I, I like listicles like anyone else with tools and knowing, you know, shortcuts and things out there. And I appreciate those too. There's a place for that, of course. But I think, you know, stories that really resonate with me are when someone has some skin in the game. You know, there's a bit of vulnerability on the table. They're sharing something really true to them and you can feel it in the writing. And I think any good story has drama and drama is a conflict. And so it's the, it's the struggle. Being human is not all a struggle, but we have our, we have our fair share. Um, and when we share the, the, the highlights, the highs and the lows, you know, the peaks and the, and the valleys, it's, there's just something so sincere about that and real. And that really draws me in. And so that's also what's a good indication of what I'd also like to be part of contributing to and sharing. And, you know, that's why some of the content that I share is also stuff that I've gone through, stuff that I see other people going through. Like, I, it also comes from a very personal place. It's not just a reflection of other people. It's what I've experienced. Like, the last thing that I <clears throat> recently shared was about this insight when it hit me through experience was big, huge. It's like your inner saboteur, your inner critic, your inner judge, your inner whatever name you want to give it, gets super loud when you're on the precipice of big change. It just starts to go, hey, 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 <laughs> where are you going? What are you doing? You can't do, no, you don't want to do that. No, people are going to laugh. No, 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 this is not, no, this is, you know, they get super, it gets really loud, right? All of the what ifs, negative what ifs, and all of the like, come back, come back, come back to the living room and watch Netflix where it's safe, you know? You don't need to go there. And the inner, this inner saboteur is just trying to keep you safe. You know, it's, it's not like it's not like the little devil. It's just trying to keep you safe. So just being able to recognize like, oh, that part of me is getting really loud because I'm about to I'm moving, making big boss moves. I'm about to make some transformative change here. And then being able to be compassionate with yourself and to go like, yeah, no, I got you. I feel you. It's OK. <laughs> but we, we got this. It's going to be good. It's it's. And then I think it just kind of changes the flavor of it all, it takes away the charge. And so I wanted just to share that insight that I see in my clients and in myself. My, whenever I do, if I'm doing something new I haven't done before, I get all the loud, the doubt. You know? <laughs> um, and it, it's just, it gives me a lot of relief and an extra shot of courage to know that that's part of your body's homeostasis, natural way of trying to keep you safe and in balance, you know? So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd share that as an example because that is also vulnerable. You got the shakes, I get them too. It's because you're on the you're on the cusp, you're on that edge. Lean into it. I'm so glad you tapped into that because it's such a good point. Um, and it's such a good place for us to wrap up on. Like the content that you connect with is vulnerability, like people being vulnerable and sharing their story through through their writing and also, like for me growing up, I would always have the problem where I felt like I didn't really have any like true friends or anything like that. And I realized so much of it was just because I was closed off. Like I wouldn't share my insecurities. I wouldn't share those vulnerabilities. And so what I learned the hard way was real connection comes from showing that human side of you, showing that vulnerable side of you. Like it's okay to share your, your feelings, your, your failures. And when you do that, and when you open up to people, that's when they feel closer to you. And so do that in both your personal life, do that through your content, 
I can't recommend that enough. Now, I wouldn't say like air your dirty laundry from day to day, but your past <laughs> insecurities or problems that you've overcome, like share those, share those often, share that story, you know? 100%. And when you said dirty laundry, I think it's thinking about the motivation behind the share, right? If, you're, if your intention is to share it, to help someone else, you know, to just to, or connect to other people or to, yeah, to be of service in some way, then I think it's not airing dirty laundry for me personally, you know, because there's an intention behind it. And on that note, I would love that we start to move into a place where we can bring our whole human selves into the workplace, even though I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily in a corporate environment. Like, I think that that is something that is really being called for and missing, that you can show up fully you don't have to like put on these facades or you know get into this little box in order to be professional. I mean, we 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 can be very professional and experts and respected and still fucking be ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we could be like full people. And I think on that note, when I used to work with my creative team, and people get nervous before we present. Most people don't like public speaking. I get it. You know, um, I would say to that, I would share this with them is there's research that shows when a presenter is almost pitch perfect, like no mistakes, like, hello and welcome, and, you know, it's just you know, pitch perfect. The audience actually doesn't really connect with them. When the presenter makes some mistakes, maybe laughs, maybe, you know, hair, maybe fumbles a word or two, that endears that presenter to the audience because they can relate to that because we're not perfect there's no such thing as perfect we're just like these imperfect quirky wonderful wacky wild beings you know and people connect to that they don't connect to like so we have this idea of how we should be oh hello i'm professional and here's the presentation and then there's like actually no if you want real connection be yourself be be imperfectly you be imperfectly perfect right and so that would help a lot that would be like a so i'm like yeah do the make the joke flip your hair wear your sneakers do the thing you know you know you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be any certain way just figure out what feeling and being in your own skin and that feels right for you and then you can't go wrong no one no no one else knows how to do you more than you you only feel like an imposter if you're trying to do someone, be somebody else. Then you feel like an imposter. But if you're just closer to who you are, they, they nail that. That's a, you're the only one in the world who could do that, you know? Yeah, that reminds me of a great quote and tweet I saw from a big YouTuber, Ali Abdal, who some people are probably familiar with. And he was like, I don't struggle with imposter syndrome. Here's why. It's because I never pretend to know something I don't like even from his podcast, like he'll bring all these experts on. And he's like, I didn't know anything about that. Tell me more. And like, that's all it is. Like, as long as you're not selling something, you're not, you won't have those feelings of imposter syndrome. So don't lie about, you know, your credentials, your experiences, just do the thing, be yourself. People will fall in love with that, you know? 100%. Or they won't. Some people will. Oh yeah. That's fine too. Yeah, that's they fine hate too. It, I then, mean, then they're not your people. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be for everyone and that's okay. But you'll find out who you're for much quicker if you just, you know, be yourself. Yeah. And you'll build a real community too. Exactly. Which to me is Everything. the best part. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, so Pia, this was amazing. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. And thank you so much for joining. Before we go, please tell everyone, please tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and how you can help them once more. 
So you can find me at Collective Studio. I don't know if you'll have a link in the show notes because it's Collective is written in Danish because that's where I am. So it's collective.studio. I'm on Twitter at Pia Lister. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, not as actively. <laughs> you can find me there as Pia Lister. I have a newsletter called Wildly Expanding Creators where I share coaching moments and doses of creativity and self notes to self and insights about you know, what I see in myself and my client's creator's journey and how we can wildly expand together. Um, I help creators who are feeling stuck reconnect to what really matters to them, unleash their creativity, and build and realize the dreams that they, they that, that feel wildly unimaginable but that they can figure out while we work together. Awesome. Pia, thank you so much for joining. And for the listeners, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for having me.